This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Before the stock market and the broader economy can return to something that looks like normal, banks will have to start lending some of that money they're getting from the government's Troubled Asset Recovery Program, says Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel. He talked about banks, especially Citigroup, and the proposed Big Three Rescue with Knowledge at Wharton. Well, Professor Siegel, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, um, on Friday, it was the announcement of the uh, Obama uh, economic team taking shape. Uh, today, it was the announcement about Citigroup. Right. What's going to be is – it, is it some news headline that's going to be driving the market every day for the foreseeable future? Yeah, let's put this in context. Last week, um, Wednesday and Thursday, there was a meltdown in the commercial real estate market. We know about the meltdown in residential real estate. That's been – going on for several years. But everyone said, yeah, commercial real estate is generally holding. Well, it wasn't holding. And what we saw was, first of all, a frightening drop in real estate investment trusts, the REITs. Unbelievable. Two-thirds of a, a 67% drop in approximately two months. And prime AAA commercial mortgages we're beginning to sell at 70 and 80 cents on the dollar. This is prime lease stuff in the, in the best cities in the United States. Now, all banks, including Citi, in particular Citi, has a tremendous amount of these mortgages. And when they were looking at what was going on to the price of these mortgages, they said, Citi is insolvent. Um, and uh, not only that, they, they sent all the banks down. Uh, there was a panic. Um, and uh, basically, they began working on it last Friday and over the weekend – is basically a bailout of, of City in the sense of uh, a huge $306 billion loan on their assets. This is far greater than anything we've seen with Bayer or Lehman. Of course, they didn't do Lehman, uh, AIG that followed that. Mm-hmm. Huge. Now, uh, on the commercial side, there hadn't been a lot of these sort of uh, uh, defaults, uh, def- no, defaults or junk mortgages as there had been on the on the residential yeah. side. Is the commercial decline all driven by the economy? It's driven by the economy and the fall in the residential. They're not unlinked. There, there were too many shopping centers that were being planned, other commercial buildings. If you're going to have a sharp recession, you're not going to have a demand for shopping centers. We know how, how badly consumption, retail sales are doing. There's already been a few players that have stopped paying on their debt for the uh, um, for commercial developments because they said, I can't fill them at the present time. So even though the actual delinquency right now is very small, looking forward, it looked really scary. And People were beginning to say this is the next big shoe to drop, and the the panic swept through uh, the markets. And there doesn't, as far as City Group is concerned, there doesn't seem to be much disagreement about whether or not the government should have acted. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's, I don't, you know, you look at the terms, and I'm I'm reading from the official term sheet over here, up to three hundred and six billion dollars in assets to be guaranteed. Um, now, three hundred six billion. First of all, of course. Uh, I mean, City Citigroup has almost two trillion dollars worth of assets. Still, it's only about one every six dollars uh, worth of assets. Um, but it it also says based on valuation agreed upon between the institution and the U.S. government. That's the critical question: Are they looking? Are they valuing these mortgages and these real estate related assets at the current market value, uh, at book value, somewhere in between? Um, it was not clear at all 
uh, where it stood. But the important thing is that they took the troubled assets, which they identified as around $300 billion. The government's going to take 90% of those losses. The Citibank is going to take the first $30 billion approximately and 10% above that. Okay. And uh, basically what, what, what the Fed has done and the government has done is says we're going to make sure that Citibank does not fail. Now, some of those assets, according to uh, an interview, I just saw an interview with uh, the uh, Citibank's uh, CFO, and he was saying that uh, much of that $300 billion is, are, are trading assets. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could explain quickly the difference between trading assets and, and assets where they're actually um, where they actually have uh, well, money on the. What he meant by trading assets means that they probably bought a lot of commercial loans, maybe some residential loans, maybe they uh, entered into some commercial uh, swaps uh, that that have an informal market, which of course the government now wants to bring into high visibility. is a pretty hidden market at the present time. So that's what they mean by trading assets, rather than loans that they have made and are going to keep to maturity as they pay off over time. But both of those are in trouble, both the trading assets and the permanent assets, because if they have any real estate development out there, either in the residential or I dare say in the commercial side, uh, they are probably sitting on a loss right now. Okay. And a lot of their, uh, aren't they, don't they have a big exposure in consumer lending also? They have a big consu- uh, consumer lending, you know, uh, that th- that part, believe it or not, is at this point still not as in dire shapes as both the commercial and residential real estate uh, related and developmental lending. Um, uh, delinquencies on credit cards are definitely going up. And in some of the really weak cities like Phoenix and, and Vegas, et cetera, they are high. But around the country, so they're still holding in lower than the last recession. Not a panic yet. Of course, you know, if we're going to have two or three million more uh, people unemployed, clearly, again, the market looking ahead is worried about those. I don't know how much consumer assets, maybe they took the delinquent ones of those, but I imagine most of these were real estate-related assets that the government uh, took under its wing. Okay. There's much more disagreement um, about whether or not uh, the government should act to uh, bail out the um, automobile industry. Sure. But there is a, that's of great interest to the financial sector, including Citigroup, because they have a lot of exposure there. Um, what's, the, uh, what's your thinking on the, uh, on, the, on the bailout proposal? Bankruptcy an option? Yeah. I, I think bankruptcy is the best option. I think there is such mammoth misunderstanding of what bankruptcy at GM and Ford and maybe Chrysler would be. You know, the, the way the companies talk, the way the unions talk is they're going to just cease operations and millions of people are going to be laid off and then that just trickles through the whole economy. Well, again, and I mentioned this before, look at the airlines. They kept on operating. They renegotiated their labor contracts. Uh, they, you know, reset all sorts of things. They're flying again. And in fact, some of the analysts say that if, if, if gasoline prices and oil prices stay down, they could be quite profitable um, moving beyond the, the recession going forward. Some have even called it promising. The, and of course, people say, well, you can't do that with GM because who would, who would buy the car if they didn't have a warranty? Well, GM already still has $15 billion, $20 billion. They could put away 2 or $3 billion in trust with the federal government. This is for all our warranties. 
And in fact, if, if you want some government involvement in it, let the government insure the warranties, the lemons if need be, the parts if need be. That still would be a small fraction of a bailout without the flexibility that you have with bankruptcy. Because without bankruptcy, they have very limited ability to renegotiate with their unions. And now you have a Democratic Congress, a Democratic president, with the union sitting there and said, hey, they promised us all these health benefits, and that's what's really killing Ford and GM. You know, and, and you know, which side do you think is going to win on that struggle over there? The, um, uh, the, the auto industry uncertainty is just one of many uncertainties that seems to be tormenting the market these days. Um, is, is that the thing that's really missing here to get some stability on, on, the, on the stock market? I, I actually um, – I, I think that, you know, again, the, the, the big down uh, movement last couple of weeks has been this commercial bank panic. Um, now – it's been shored up a little bit because basically the government says, hey, we're going to stand behind Citigroup, and that probably means we're going to stand behind most of these commercial bank mortgages. The big problem, really the big problem, is to get the banks to lend. And I don't mean new borrowers. I mean they must continue the lines of credit to their creditworthy customers. I've been saying this all along. If I were in the government right today, I would say anybody that took TARP money, and most of those banks did, must keep their lines of credit open to their creditworthy customers. They can't yank them prematurely. They must keep them going for a period of six months. Um, and if they don't like that, then pay the money back to us. And, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. But the whole purpose of this was to do lending. Right. And the lending is not taking place. But what can the government doesn't have much of a uh, recourse here because the terms of their loans did, of the TARP, the TARP funding didn't really require yes. the lending to occur. Well, they should change that. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, you know, you're doing things on the fly. Right. They thought that that would start the lending. It's not starting the lending. Change the rules. You must continue to your credit with. That's what I hear when I go around to business people uh, and 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 others. They say. I've always, you know, all of a sudden I get the bank calling my loan. I've never been late. I've always paid exactly on time. A plenty of collateral. I'm panicked. Um, and this panic is what really is snowballing into this mammoth decline that we see right now. And, you know, I don't like the, the government to you know, stick its nose into private affairs. But this is a case where, you know... I, this is exactly what I feared. They're, sit, they're taking that money and they're sitting with it in treasury bills and they're not and, – and reserves at, at the Fed. Well, the government uh, essentially bought itself a seat on the board. Yeah, well, they bought they itself a seat on the board. And, <laughs> kept, and, you know, then there was a very weak letter two weeks ago they sent out. You know, you're supposed to kind of continue to lend. I couldn't believe how weak it was. This is, you know, emergency situation. By the way, I think a lot of banks, if they weren't panicked, if they were told by the Fed to keep on lending, because they were worried that, pe that the people are going to come in and look at their loans and say, hey, you got this in real estate. You still have this outstanding. And they're worried a little bit about that. If the Fed came in and said, listen, these customers are on time. Continue to lend. We'll sort it out later. We'll put a, you know, I'll, they could even guarantee 90% of it just like they did on Citigroup for 180 days. Mm -hmm. But we must have the lending function continue. And, I mean, that is, 
is is very very critical now whether what's happened here with Citigroup can you know flow to the rest of the uh, financial sector and encourage the, the the lending we'll have to see will you be surprised if the terms of Citigroup don't actually call for Citigroup to lend the money well they did you're right I'm looking over here and I don't see it uh, I mean I'm looking at the term sheet not you know doesn't say they have to lend the money you see the the biggest fallacy of the original TARP proposal was the thought that the only reason the banks are not lending is because they don't have enough capital. Oh, they're below the limits. The, the, the regulators won't allow them to lend. That was only one of many reasons they weren't lending. The biggest reason they weren't lending is that they feared the solvency of their borrowers. And so suddenly the government comes in and, hey, you're above capital ratio. Do you think they're lending? No. They're sitting with that money and calling in the good loans to pay for the bad loans. Some people are suggesting we should take a different approach on this, though, and, and, and start to assure the solvency of the borrowers rather than, rather than guarantee the bank. Uh, what is the, uh, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I, I mean, I, my, my take would be that you go to the banks first and insist on keeping the good credit. You know, I don't want to bail out bad borrowers. Mm-hmm. They're late or delinquent. You can cut them off. That's, there's no problem. But there are people that have never been late, and now the banks see this as an opportunity to have, get cash on their books. Oh, call in the loan. I have the right to do that. See, in paragraph 7.1, we can call this loan. And, and they're doing that. Right. And I think that that is adding a tremendous amount of increased anxiety and, and stress in the system right now. Well, thanks very much. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.